Welcome to Splinters, courtesy of The Bench, your Friday night sports fix. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, welcome to Splinters. My name is Tony Dosen, the Sultan, and it's time to go back to a, a topic that we have covered off on in recent weeks, uh, namely the demise, the death, or the decline of Park A-grade Rugby League. In recent weeks on Splinters, we've covered it off from the North Sydney angle with Andy Patterson and the Barara Wallabies and the Manly angle with Steve Woodley, ex-Peninsula Seagulls, now the Narrabeen Sharks. But it's time to speak with someone who has an overall view right across the Sydney Basin of what's happened with the A-grade competition, what's happening with Junior Rugby League, and where we're going in the future. And who else to ask than Mr. Rugby League, Mr. Independent Rugby League. I speak, of course, of Terry Liberopoulos, the owner, operator, and proprietor of Australia's now only independent Rugby League publication, Rugby League Review, which you can get at every good news agency and a few bad Greek ones as well, and also by subscription, which we'll reveal in just a few moments' time. But without further ado, Terry Liberopoulos. Oh, I forgot to mention, of course, he's just come back from a triumphant uh, stint as manager of the Greek Rugby League team, who are through to a World Cup qualifying series at the end of the year against Scotland and Russia. Terry, great to have you back on Splinters. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Tony. Great to be here and uh, a big hello to all the listeners. Indeed. All right, let's get stuck straight down to business. Fifteen years ago, we had a number of viable standalone A-grade competitions in Sydney. The Manly Norths, Canterbury, Cronulla, Souths, Penrith, a Wests combined one, and, of course, Parramatta. In 2019, we are now in a situation where we have just two standalone A-grade competitions in Sydney, two flagship uh, competitions for players who want to play a bit of social football, but also of a reasonable standard, who aren't quite good enough to be in Ron Massey Couple Sydney Shield along the pathway to the NRL. That's South Sydney and Penrith. Why have we got here? How did we get here? Well, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of reasons there. Um, like you said, it was only 15 or so years ago, we had quite a lot of A-grade teams, even in the Rugby League Review. We used to do a regular column in the A-grade because it was that popular. But... It's just hard to even just get information from the A grade now. There's a lot of, you know, teams are dropping out, a lot of mergers. Teams are, you know, from one from eastern suburbs travelling all the way to the west and they're not playing in their own group. And that's what it was, that community feel. And when you talk to a lot of the, the players, they want to play at the community. You know, if they want to play a bit higher, they'll go to the Sydney Shield or Ron Massey Cup and they can travel all over Sydney. But they want to play. You want to go down the road and just play your local teams your family, your friends will come. They'll come and watch it because it's only down the road. You know, if, if that happens with any kind of junior sport. But going back to why, I think, you know, first of all, I think the promotion. I just don't think there's a lot of promotion about it. I don't know a lot of people know about it. Um, I, speak to, I spoke to a few players in A grade and saying, you know, they don't, they don't need this. You know, there's a lot of, you know, incidents going in as well. You know, there's a bit of rough playing, the actual competitions. Um, then you've got, they're saying, one team stocks players um, and you 
they don't want to play and lose 80 nil as well because this team's going there, they're stocking players and they want to win the competition. And then one, two years later, they're not even playing the A grade because they, they've spent all their money. Um, well, is that one of the one of the reasons we've, t- we've touched on that well, in the other editions where you have some clubs with money and you have other clubs that don't? And it's the clubs that don't that can't compete with the clubs that do. It's many reasons. It's many reasons. That, 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 that's, just, that's just one of the reasons. We've got a lot of things now. With Look, the, the competition's falling under, you know, New South Rugby League. They need to promote this. You know, why are we promoting it? We're in a, you know, the digital age now, and you don't even hear about anything now. I, I can go online, and you've got scores and even updated. You don't even know anything. You don't know what's going on. Why, why aren't they getting promoted? It also stems from the bottom where... Like, I was just watching the – before we had the old Amco Shield, the Commonwealth Bank Cup. Yep. Uh, it was all – it was on free-to-air TV. Now yep. you go, you have to go and watch it online. And people don't want to watch it. They don't want to get that live stream or and watch it. Believe me, you know, if it's a one-off game, they'll watch it. But people want to watch it on TV. And now these guys, they're not getting the promotion. They're not getting – it's the same with the, the, um, the kids when they were playing. The, you know, remember the old Coca-Cola? Absolutely. Boys, yep. The, the, the knockout. The, old, the, old knockout. the state knockout, which still exists, but in a yeah, – not a watered-down format, but in a different type of format. And, and why I'm saying that is you have, we haven't got that promotion from down below to the place to continue playing. It's always been when they hit 14, 15, you know, the boys, they, they've got school, they've – you know, well, you know, they – they meet up with their girlfriends. You know, now you've got the gaming industry. Now they, they get their own cars when they turn 17. That's always happened. That's been there since, you know, for the last 40, 50 years. But what about the online, the iPhone, the digital age that we now live in where we have a lot of kids and a lot of adults, a lot of people who just communicate via devices rather than face-to-face? That's also been a factor, surely? It has because that means the kids are not getting out there to play. But in saying that, a lot of parents are because – the government's given that $100 grant. A lot of kids are going out and playing, but they're not playing rugby league. You know, a lot of kids that want to run around are playing AFL. I know just... Or soccer. Friends, or soccer. Soccer's always been there. It's always been a safer option for kids. That's always been there. But the AFL now, there a lot of kids that liked a bit of, you know, a bit of roughness before, but they're now playing AFL. And I've spoken to so many, why is your kid playing AFL in their rugby league family? And they say, well, first of all, all their mates are playing which is always a, the, the main course. reason. But they're getting belted in uh, when they're playing rugby league. Um, you know, because some of them will play, will play, some of them are playing rugby league and always, they're saying they're getting belted by bigger players. We've got the Islanders coming in. It's not, it's not their fault. They're, 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 they grow up very quickly and they're bigger, they've got bigger bodies. But they say that they don't want to keep getting belted, so they go and play AFL. And that, you know, it's a it's a big problem because you know when you get a 14, 15, 16, you know the C grade, then you haven't got enough players. Correct, and, and that's t- been, and that's been the story right across Sydney. That's and, the and common thing that I run into, in a lot of districts where you have enough players or uh, quantity wise to that under 14s age group, but after that the numbers just fall away drastically, and that is your feeder to your A grade. If you've got a strong under 19s, a strong under 21s, as it was in the old days or not so many years ago, a strong C grade, a strong under 18s, 17s and 16s, then that feeds through to A grade. Andy Patterson mentioned that, that he was quite confident that he was able to get numbers in those age groups to feed at A grade into the into, into long term next year. That remains to be seen. What about the sensationalist headlines from certain media outlets 
it is said possibly it is in their interests to devalue the level of the game so that they don't have to pay as much for the rights next time they're up on offer in 2023 or 2022, whatever the case may be. We're talking about the sensationalising the trivial and trivialising the sensational. Every incident is highlighted to the nth degree. And Andy Patterson in a previous episode of this mentioned that he runs into parents that say, I don't want my son playing rugby league because of this, because of drug scandals or sex scandals or rape scandals or betting scandals or any other scandals for that matter. Well, it's always going to happen. When you've got the media, rugby league's number one on the eastern seaboard, anything that's... Or New South Wales and Queensland, at least, anyway. Well, it's, yeah, and plus, you know, still picking up in Victoria too. Um, but they're always going to... The newspapers or the media, they, they're going to come out and um, anything that's negative, they're going to put it on there because it sells, it sells news, it sells papers. It's, that's, that's what happens. That's, and that's been going for a while. They've been yeah. doing that for a while. And I don't think it's just that, that parents, you know, I think parents that are on the border, that's the problem. You know, they go yes or no, and then they see this news and they'll say no. Yeah. So we've got to get more good news out there, but then we've got to get more promotion. Why are we promoting these competitions? Nothing. You just hear nothing. Before, I mean, you, I get back. I was just doing an, um, a story on the Cabramatta of 100 years and just yep. going, back, going back to, you know. Well, if you didn't know, if, if you weren't inside the club, you wouldn't have even known that the Cabramatta centenary match was over the Queen's birthday long weekend. No, I mean, why, why wasn't that promoted? Why, why couldn't they just mention something? I mean, that's, you know, you get a couple of pages of some rubbish articles where they could, they could put, you know, uh, something small about, you know, look, Cameron Matter, they produced these players, they produced these first... Terry players. Lamb was there at the centenary night. I can tell you that yep. for a start. He, he came out through that system as well as Chester Hill. N- nothing. And you look back in those, a lot of those decades, there were some big crowds. They used to get massive crowds. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, they played the grand final and you have, you know, five, six thousand in yep. the grand final. It was... And the Manly like, North's grand final at Brookvale Oval was always an event on the peninsula and in in, in, the, in the North Shore of Sydney where crowds of that sort of size would flock to Brookvale Oval as recently as 2008, 2009 to watch the A-grade grand final. We're only talking 10 years ago now. Uh, so as it stands, we hear that it's just Souths and Penrith what are they doing right that the others are doing wrong? Is it just good luck? Souths, of course, have the, the financial clout of Souths Juniors Leagues Club, which has uh, not only carried the juniors, but at times, off and on, as we know, carried the senior club through its uh, plight until it eventually became privately owned uh, under Mrs. Holmes of Court and Crow uh, shortly after their return to the NRL. Uh, and Penrith has the greatest junior nursery as far as numbers are concerned. Uh, of any rugby league district in Australia. Is it just that or is it something more? Well, you just mentioned Penrith, they do. There's just so many kids out there, so many young families. They can't afford to be leaving Eastern Suburbs. You've seen some of the prices oh. and just costs and housing and rent. It's just incredible. So all the, a lot of the young families out west, so they, they want to play sports. So you can always have the numbers there. That's that's the, the simple reason Penrith are there. They've just got the sheer numbers. Whereas South Sydney, they haven't. But what they're doing right is... They pay for the registration for the kids. Yep. And a lot of kids come across from other junior leagues to playing there. You know, and I've spoken to them. They said, I said, mate, you're living in, you know, in the St. George area. And they go, well, you know, they're paying for, you know, all the insurance. They're paying for all the gear. Yep. So 
And that's and that's been a South Junior's policy for decades yes. now. And you know why aren't the others doing it as well? Why isn't the league getting involved? Why doesn't the NRL spend a small amount of money into that, paying for all the insurance? It's the same for the country, I believe, but that's another story. Oh, that's, that's, another, another one. that's another Splinters episode of yeah. another time, that's please. 14-part special on that one. Um, so South are doing that, plus just the management, and you, and, and the, they handle things. You don't get a lot of um, dramas coming out of the South, mm. say, great. Yeah, who knows? Maybe there is, but they cover it up. Henry Morris that, has run a very tight that. ship for so many years there. But, but players you talk to, them, like they get a lot of ex-first graders, and I was um, saying they enjoy the competition. One of our, you are talking earlier about the, the group, I believe, one of our players, Nathan Hughes, um, he played the Emerging Nation last year. He's up in Brisbane at the moment, but he did play mm. for, down in the South Sydney competition, and he just said he really enjoyed it. The way he was, he was run. Uh, the players enjoyed it. The supporters enjoyed it, and he really, really liked playing in that. And that's maybe comes down to management as well. But you go back to the other competitions. Where do you get the Where do you get the management? A lot of them are volunteers, and we're losing a lot of volunteers because as time goes on, people haven't got time. You know, or they say they haven't got time. They're just too busy. Uh, it is. Things are, things are not like it used to be back in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, well, the seven-day week, the 24-7 working cycle, the yeah. casualisation and the um, the deunionisation of our workforces across a number of industries means that more and more people have to work more and more odd hours, and some of those hours happen to be across weekends when sports fixtures are scheduled. And a lot of them are working second jobs because just, as we said before... It's to make ends meet. That's right. It's just tough. You know, it's not that easy. Indeed. All right. Now, let's move to uh, another point which has just been raised in uh, recent times uh, that we mentioned on the bench recently. We broke it exclusively that the Windsor Wolves are coming back into the Sydney Shield and Ron Massey Cup in 2020. There's a train of thought out there. Um, we'll come to Windsor in after the break because that's a, a separate issue as to the possible future of the two A grades that are still with us and perhaps the resurrection of any other A grades. But there's a train of thought out there now and it's been widely held by some people in rugby league circles at a junior level for some time that the Sydney Shield has contributed to the demise and the decline of the A grade because of the fact that they can offer a standard and a level of competition of a slightly higher than A grade standard with a pathway. What's your view on that? Well, I think we need to see this shield, actually. It's just, I, I just believe that a lot of the A grade sides, each district they always had one or two powerful clubs. You look at Parramatta, you know, you had Wenwith Hill, Parramatta. Mounties. Mount, just dominating that competition. They need, they were just too strong and they had just too much money. They had to go in this kind of Sydney Shield competition. Penrith had St Mary's. That's right. The same with yeah, St Mary's. And even before when we had the Windsor in that clubs, you've got clubs that are ambitious, that want to come through, but you also got clubs that are too powerful and we need to have that kind of Sydney Shield competition. I just don't think that's the, the a big, you know, a main reason for the demise of the A grade. I just think we've already touched on, on other reasons why we've seen that. Okay. And clubs, clubs also want to go to Sydney Shield because it's controlled than used to was rugby league. They've got their own referees. It's it's just a, it doesn't operate under that junior league, and it's yeah. You know, a lot of them say it's a it's a cleaner. Uh, you know, if, if that's a, if the right word to use, mm -hmm. it's a yeah. cleaner competition. Mm -hmm. um, players, you know, enjoy it. There's not going to be a lot of rough play, things like that, and 
That's why that's why they gain the Sydney here. But it does cost money. You know, you're looking at 150,000 minimum yep. to run it. You know, how can a club that you know you, the likes of Wentworth Little Mounties they can support that? Oh, but yeah. When you've got a, a local A grade team, how are they going to do that? They can't do chook raffles anymore. You know, that, those days are gone. You know, you yes. need a bit of money behind you. Uh, you need some good sponsors. It's just, it's tough. It, it, every year gets tougher and tougher. And if you haven't got that money behind you, just can't play in the competition. Well, the case in point is the Peninsula Seagulls. I know you jokingly said that it was my fault that the Peninsula Seagulls uh, became <laughs> became defunct, but their problem was they had that lack of support. They couldn't uh, raise or go to the well to yeah. try and raise the funds that they needed to put a decent team of quality out on the field to match the three teams they did put in in those three golden years, as we can yeah. now almost call them, where they made three preliminary finals, won more games than any other team in that competition in the three years, probably should have won a grand final. And it's an arguable point that if they'd won one of those grand finals, they would have got that support, but they didn't. And a number of clubs like the Seagulls have fallen by the wayside from Sydney Shield as a result. But it's, it's a lot of money. Look, you know, the first year or two, you know, you got support, they're excited, but when you could going back to sponsors year after year, to give money in, it just gets it gets tough, and then at, you know one or two will drop out, and that's it. it. Makes a huge difference. What about administration? I know you've touched on it, and I will try and restrain ourselves here because I think you know I know what you're going to say, and I agree with you. However, the game with this billion dollar television rights deal, the money that is seemingly absorbed by the NRL in the building of layer upon layer of bureaucracy. They're not the only code that, is, that does this yeah. uh, by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of codes, a lot of sports now with money end up building these layers of administration and layer upon layer of bureaucracy. But it seems that the NRL perhaps do that more than other codes where we have not just one or two or three, but we're talking fives, tens, Dozens of people inside the NRL that are paid good good money for what? Doing something on a website and nothing more. And those funds are not coming back to the clubs, not coming back to the grassroots, not coming back to people like the Country Rugby League, whether it was a standalone or whether it's part of the New South Wales Rugby League, which it supposedly now is. Uh, is it that lack of support which leads to the lack of promotion and the problems that We've touched on. Well, you need you need money. I mean, that's that's important, especially in this day and age. You need you need money. You need the funds. And I think we, there can be a, a small amount set aside, whether you cut wages or whatever. There is enough money there at the moment. We're promoting other you know other aspects of rugby league. Uh, I don't agree with that. But that, you mean the my, touch football side? That, that, that's that's just that's just my personal opinion. I think you know there's a place for that, but if you look at the editorial my in the latest issue of Rugby League Review, I said where have all the stars gone? And and what I mean by that is it was only a few years ago, even when I started watching Rugby League back in the late seventies, eight, you always had players that just pop out. You know the Mick Crane and Steve Rogers, you know Mount Meninga, Peter Sterling. But yeah, Kenny, everybody, there was just players and played. That these were stars of the game, guys that you go there, Tom Radonikis, yeah, and that even when the nineties went, personalities through, and yeah, characters, Ricky Stewart, and Andrew, Andrew Edenhouse, Laurie Daly, you know, Clyde, Clyde, it just didn't stop. Um, and then in the last few years, it's been slowing down. You know, we've had the Darren Lockyer's, you know, Jonathan Thurston, Sonny Bill Williams, but the Fab Four of Smith, Cronk, Thurston, Slater. 
not, and slowly, you know, they've, they've re, you know, they've retired and Smith's going to retire soon. And I basically said, who do we got coming next? You know, they, you know, someone said to me, well, you know, we've got Latrell Mitchell and Kathleen Ponga. And I'm saying, well, they're, they're rising stars, you know, and they could well be superstars in the future, but they're just rising stars. We've always had rising stars back, you know, oh, in, you know the last... hundred years. Even before I started following footy, you look back in the 60s, they Graham Langlands, Rex Gasnier, Johnny Raper, those players, they were always stars in the game. But where are they now? You know, and that's a problem the NRL are going to have because we haven't got that. We haven't got those stars. And why? Because we're not developing the juniors as much. You can you can say, oh, we've got the junior numbers have gone up because we, we include in touch football numbers. Well, that's the thing. There are lies, damn lies in statistics. Well, and, we've got to be realistic. And, and, and the NRL have included a number of other factors and a number of other groups in their total player numbers to try and flower the story. Let's be. Let's not pull any punches on this. And including, including touch football is a big bugbear of mine. Number one because I think they picked the wrong uh, offshoot game for a start. I mean, league tag and Oz tag is a much more closer uh, uh, game that resembles league than touch football does. Touch football yeah. is an athletic game. Um, it has some league skills, but it doesn't have as many skills as tag does. But again. That's my personal really opinion. But including why, those yeah. numbers and saying they're part of the rugby league family and, and so that they can be a, a curtain raiser to an NRL game a couple of games a week for about six weeks of the year is very much a furphy. Well, I don't care. I mean, I don't mind the touch football, but we just got to be realistic, okay? Let's just say this is the numbers. These are the touch football numbers. These are Oztag numbers. Why don't we just do that? This is the realistically, this is what we've got and work work and try and find a problem because if the junior numbers are not there, we're not going to have those players coming through. Is it a case where we have too many administrators that don't have uh, a feel for the grassroots of the game anymore because they're sitting in well-paid jobs inside ivory towers? Well, I don't think we've, we've got those. We've got a lot of rugby league people, but we had a lot of, I think, before you had the volunteers too, we had rugby league people and grassroots that just don't have the time now. Um, we haven't got any a lot of people coming through. You've got the old heads that are there at clubs have been there for 30, 40, 50 years. But what happens when they go, when they retire, pass away? No succession plan? There's, there's no one really coming through. You know, you might have one or two that carry it, but what happens after that? And that's how clubs die. If you've got no one to run the club, you, you know, you always, you know, look, you're always going to have administrators you know, in the league, you're always going to have, you know, the NRL. But if we haven't got the grassroots fixed up, where are we going to get players coming through? You know, and where are the stars coming through? You know, is, is that a problem with just the style of the NRL? I just think it's a bit of everything. And if we're running out of players, we know, I don't think that we've got enough of 16 NRL clubs, enough good players. Well, that's a, a view that is shared by some. I tend to differ from that a little bit because – a lot of people don't look at competitions like the Ron Massey Cup and the Sydney Shield and the, uh, the Brisbane uh, 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 Fogs A-grade yeah. uh, and the Queensland Cup because there are enough players in those competitions, I think, alone to garner together one or two decent enough NRL teams with the right coaching, the right development. Again, that's another Splinters episode in its own right. Before we take a break... One more thing uh, I, I want to run past you. Um, 
is it a case of some administrators and, and some clubs being complacent back in the that golden era that you mentioned, the 70s, 80s and 90s, thinking that, you know, the funding model of the league's club model was always going to be there to keep pumping the dollars into junior rugby league and into uh, junior clubs uh, and with various changes to legislation which outlawed certain things in, in, in clubs and made it tougher for some clubs to turn over a dollar to pour back into sport. Uh, has that been a factor as well? Is that another thing we've we've overlooked here? Well, back then, you know, if everything was going fine. You know, it's with any business. Everything's going well. You don't think about the future. Everything's going fine. Well, it's going well now. We don't worry about it. But it started back in those in the late 80s when we had the, the stock market crash and, you know, clubs, a lot of clubs stopped the funding with a lot of the, you know, the not just the first grade clubs, but it filtered down to the juniors, you know, and it, and it started probably back in that in, this, in those late 80s and then it just got tougher in the 90s when we went into a recession in early 90s. Yeah. And the first thing they're going to do is stop funding. It's with any club, you know, they're going to stop the funding because they've got to survive. They're a business. The, the least yep. clubs are business. They're going to survive. And then we had the Super League War and that, you know, put a lot of people off. It actually took a while to get, you know... To get it's still... Uh, we're still recovering from the Super League war now in a lot of instances. There a lot, lot of people... Look, a lot of people walked away from the game look, and have I never work, come I back. Work, look, I've got to admit, I work with Super League. So, you know, I was involved with Super League. Uh, Amy, if you want, but I was. But a lot of people I spoke to just gave up. Gave up on rugby league altogether. They said, I don't I don't really watch it. And even to this day, oh, you know, they watch a little bit here and there. They've gone back, but they're not as fanatical as they used to be. And that just runs down to if you're if you're not following rugby league, you're not going to get your kid to play rugby league. You know, you're going watching AFL, watching soccer or something. You're going to get that kid's going to go and play play with in that sport. So, well, um, that's another factor. I mean, we've covered off on a lot of factors here in this first in this first part of the program. Um, but one last factor before we uh, we take the break is something you touched on earlier. And without wanting to sound discriminatory or, or anything, um, has the NRL and has Junior Rugby League banked the farm on Polynesian talent carrying the code through the next 10 to 20 years? There's no doubting their athleticism. There's no doubting their class. There's no doubting the fact that a lot of players of that background are built for rugby league. And rugby league was built almost for the Polynesian uh, uh, players in mind. Athletic, fast, strong, tough and durable. But as a result of that, have we frozen out players of other backgrounds exclusively as a result of narrowed the talent pool, which has led to these dropping off in numbers? You touched on the fact that at that level and at junior level, Polynesian kids grow faster, stronger, earlier, quicker and better and are more dominant and scare kids of other uh, socioeconomic and racial backgrounds off. Well, basically, look, uh, and I've, I've, I've mentioned that before in the review is, you know, we've had a Polynesian explosion and, look, they're suited to rugby league. And look what they've done for the islands, for Tonga, for Samoan yeah. rugby league. Um they just love playing rugby league. Um, it hasn't. We haven't forgotten about the other kids. You know, with kids that are not that are not Polynesian, it's just that they're smaller built, and that it's their choice. They don't want to play because they're getting hurt. 
Now, that, that's where we've got to find a solution. But what do we say? Oh, we're going to have a competition. We're not going to have Polynesians in one competition. You can't have that. We, you we can't, can't have, have that. that. You can't have you that. You know, we just have to now, we just have to educate them. We have to train them just to compete with them. We have got a weight limit in certain comp- junior competitions like in, in Penrith. And I think that's one of the – I think that's a good way to start because if you've got two or three divisions, maybe the, the, the third division is just a weight. It's only weight. And all the other kids that are uh, not in Polynesian, they want to play in the top division, they want to have a go, great. You know, you can't stop anyone playing rugby league. That's the first thing. And it's not the fault if the, the, the kids grow very quickly. That's the nature. Um, but I think – a solution is having a weight limit in some divisions to give a lot of these kids that are smaller a chance to play rugby league. I think that's that's and that should come across right across every um, competition we have. That uh, beep in the background is our warning to tell us that we've reached half time on this episode of Splinters. So we will take that break and heed that warning and come back to discuss solutions and other things right after this. It's time to hit the ice. You're all about caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 Good All Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday from 6pm. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters. My name is Tony Dyson, the Sultan. Terry Liberopoulos, the editor, owner of Rugby League Review, is with me. And we are talking death, demise of the A-grade in 2019, where currently we only have two competitions, standalone uh, across the Sydney metropolitan area, South Sydney and Penrith. We've touched on the Windsor Wolves coming back into the Sydney Shield and Ron Massey Cup competitions in 2020. There's now a train of thought out in the Penrith uh, district, which we are going to cover in another episode of Splinters with Nick Kutniak, our friend from Hawkesbury Radio, who has his ear close to the ground out there in coming weeks. So it'll be a fourth part of the death of the A-grade and uh, state of rugby league in Sydney uh, as this Splinters uh, episode and series continues, that the Penrith A-grade competition may now be in trouble. Now that Windsor are going to walk away and we'll have four Penrith-based sides, four Penrith district sides in those Ron Massey and Sydney Shield competitions from 2020 onwards, joining Blacktown Workers, Seagulls and St Mary's, and Penrith Brothers, the old St Doms. What are you hearing on that on that front? Well, if you, you know the more the more players you take out of A grade, of course, it's gonna you know it's gonna affect the A grade competition. But I just think that um, club like Windsor need to be in the Sydney Shield Royal Massey Cup. They didn't want to leave in the first place, but financially they had no choice. They had to pull away and get the, their finance back in order and they're back again. I just think if there's another look, there's so much players in, out in Penrith. I think if could we have another team out from Penrith Way in the Sydney Shield Royal Massey Cup? And then you sort of have your own little A-grade competition out there, especially when there's a local derby. I just think it's a stronger competition. It's uh, it's, it's definitely a better competition. I know I think teams that are ambitious should go into the Sydney Shield competition. Well, the Penrith District uh, Junior League was, in fact, if you believe the grapevine, uh, asked by the New South Wales Rugby League to 
perhaps run this now defunct and put on the shelf super A-grade competition when they were looking to get rid of the Sydney Shield and uh, a number, on a number of occasions during 2016, 2017 and 2018 until eventually the Penrith Junior League, if you believe the grapevine, uh, allegedly turned around to the New South Wales Rugby League hierarchy and said, no, we're running our own, thank you very much. We don't want to run anything of yours. No, thank you. And hence the Sydney Shield uh, was almost... Um, apologetically continued by the New South Wales Rugby League this year. And now, with Windsor coming in, it's expanding. The great irony is that more clubs coming into the Sydney Shield and the Ron Massey Cup competitions at the New South Wales Rugby League almost didn't want to run. So if Windsor left and you were left with the likes of St Clair and uh, a couple of others left in the Penrith A-grade competition, uh, can you see the Penrith A-grade surviving? Surely it, it it must given their numbers. Look, I think I think Penrith can because it's they've got they've got the numbers out there. Uh, but I don't I don't think if it was another district they can, they can't because they just haven't got enough players. And we were talking about one of the reasons before you know why the demise of it. We also have to look at the way because I just came back from London and I'm looking at the same thing. You know, you look at London and I couldn't really spot any local. Uh, and I'm not trying to be um, discriminating. Casting discussions. No, but it's just everybody's in London, but they're not, you know, all the locals are out of London. And a lot of Sydney's happening like that. Like we're getting them out to the outskirts of Sydney. That's why you have Campbelltown and Western Sydney. The, the northwest with yeah. the Sydney Metro being serviced yeah. and opening up at places like Rouse Hill and Castle Hill. When you're Hill. moving closer, you know, you're getting a lot of people that are coming that are moving into Sydney. Because that's where the jobs are in Australia. Yeah, but they're not they're not rugby league people. They haven't grown up in, in, in rugby league and I and I don't think it's gonna take a long time before they actually even get into rugby league and I don't think they will. Uh, but a lot of families are moving out of Sydney uh, because they just can't afford it. They're going up the coast, they're going up the north coast, they're going to Queensland. That's where they're all going. So that's another reason. It's put, you know, even though population has grown. But it's but, a changing dynamic of the population. Right. It's a changing dynamic where you rightly point out there are uh, people moving into the Sydney metropolitan area from socioeconomic and cultural backgrounds that aren't based around rugby league, that don't understand it, no. that don't want to know about it. That don't care for it, that's frankly, right. because no, that's, right. that's not their background. No. Their background is not even necessarily sports-based, which is another story altogether. And that's a massive challenge for not just rugby league, but all sports to get in uh, the face and get people involved uh, against their former culture where they've come here for economic reasons uh, purely and just work on economic reasons only. All right. Let's talk now uh, about some solutions. About Well, firstly, I mentioned just before the break, the women's game has almost by accident given us a pathway to the future and given us a pathway and an idea on some of the solutions. You've only got to have a look at the 10,515 that uh, attended the women's origin game at North Sydney Oval recently. You've only got to look at the expansion of the uh, New South Wales Sydney Women's Premiership in, this, in the case of five years having gone from nothing at all to ten and a half teams. I say ten and a half because Penrith Brothers have now withdrawn from the competition for the rest of the season, unfortunately. Yep. But they've got ten strong sides from almost nowhere. 
uh, to match what was the dominance of Queensland at the women's game and the fact that now we seem to have more and more girls wanting to play the game. Yes, some would say the feminisation of our society and women's sport being on the march generally is a factor. But what about things like community involvement, promotion of the game amongst women? Uh, almost by accident, Rugby League Administration has done a lot of things right with the women's game, and that's perhaps something that can be mirrored in the rest of the game. Well, with, with the Women's Rugby League, um, you look at the elite competitions, you know, we have, we have the Origin, we have the Gillaroos, that's... And the women's competition. The women's, you know, with the NRL competition, it's a, it's a good competition, you know, but there's a bit of a drop when you go down to the local competition. There is. It's, it's, it, it does drop down, and that's what we've, they've got to work on. And not a lot of... You go to those games in the, in the women's premiership, not a lot of people there. Yeah. Um, still a lot of work to be done, but... You know, it is growing. You know, if, if you look at any sector, that's growing. And should they be playing together, you know, with the mirror, mirror those with the A grade um, to try and get a few more people? We don't know. At the moment, they're not getting a lot of people. How's they going to go with the A grade with the men's competition? You know, it's it all sounds, yeah, yeah, they'll be, you know, people will turn up, but they don't. How do we get them to turn up? Well, I think the first thing is is participation. Just getting the players first. Not worrying how many people are going to go and see them. Um, let's get the let's get the players back. Maybe the women and the men. They can. We have a lot of double headers, curtain raises. First of all, let's get let's get the players back. Sure. Um, a lot of them have you know the partners. Maybe they can get back playing. Mm. That's that's probably the first one. Um, but I think I just don't think it's just a women's rugby league. I think it's just in general. Look, you probably believe a lot of people won't agree with me. Um, but at the moment, I think having having A grade in their own in their own areas, I think we're moving away with that just because of the population or what we touched on before. Um, Sydney now is the changing demographic of the Sydney of the Sydney Basin, yeah. and to a lesser extent the Brisbane Basin as well. Although there's a different change going on there, completely different to the changes in Sydney. Because it's now travelling now, if you know you jump on, say you're you're coming from the San Jorge area and going to, you know, even Windsor or, or St Mary's, yep. it's, it's not that far now. You go, you know, M five, M M seven, M four, you, you can be there in forty minutes. We're back in the seventies and eighties. God, you know, it was a it was a day trip. You know, it was like I'm not going that. Some far. people would still say it's a day trip it given is, the state of some of our roads yeah, now. That's yeah. another story. I oh, know, but it it is. It you can't get there now, and it's and just the way the quality of our our vehicles as well, like. You know, as you know, back in the, end of the days, our cars, you know, you didn't know if they're going to make it or not. It's it's true. Like if your car started and your car depends a lot on that choke working, you know, that, you know, a lot of the... Gee, that is going back. You yeah. are revealing your age now. Well, the, the young listeners, they wouldn't know what a choke was, but that choke, that that's what... They think, they think the choke could that, be something else, but that's another story. Well, the choke is what kept the motor going in the mornings. Yes. You know, you had to warm that up for 15 minutes and that choke, if that choke broke, you were gone and that... And things have changed. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that with cars now, they last a long time, you know, more efficient. You'll get there. Predominantly automatic rather than manual with choker or reliance. You know, why, I think, you know, the rugby union have that subish competition. Why, you know, why don't they get the A grade together and have divisions and, you know. Well, the New South Wales Rugby League would say that they're doing that now because they're providing the solution with these combined competitions across Sydney. 
the combined uh, South Eastern competition involving Cronulla, uh, the, the Cronulla district, some of Souths, uh, and certainly St George. There's this combined um, Western, Northwestern, Southwestern competition involving a hodgepodge of teams from Manly, Manly Norths, Parramatta, Western Suburbs, Canterbury, Bankstown, and Balmain. Yeah, uh, so they're saying they're providing those solutions. Yeah, I wouldn't agree because I think they're just putting them together just so they can have a competition. Like, okay, we'll get two teams here. Well, let's put them in Manly, put them together. You know, it might be four uh, across four districts, but they're just putting it there so they can have a competition. I'm saying, you know, have three. I don't know how many teams at the moment is. Well, we have five or six divisions across Sydney. You got your, your you know, your top. Well, Manly's or Winnie are playing A grade, or whoever's playing A grade. Yeah. Uh, and then you got, and you got, you know, the, the next best in the second division, third, fourth, sixth, fifth, and sixth, and probably have a promotion relegation bottom, bottom and top. And if the bottom side it's up to them. If they get promoted, they can have the choice of not going up because they might be in third division and might or second division. They might might not want to go up to first division. You know what I mean? Go, yeah, could be playing with a bit of fire there because sides might want to stay in the lower division and keep hunting trophies. That's another. That's that's a problem. That could be a problem. That's been a problem which has led to the demise of some clubs in the A grade. Clubs with money the club, against clubs that don't. But that's a sound idea, and perhaps mirroring that rugby union subbies. Uh, 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 structure yeah. where across Sydney, you know, you're playing Clark Cup or Kentwell Cup or whatever cup yeah. it is, yeah. depending on what division you are in, and it's Sydney wide rather than uh, what we have or what the New South Wales Rugby League is saying they're providing Sydney wide now, which is probably where their idea of a super A grade came from in the first place. However, Rugby Union has three, four, five, six divisions all across Sydney. Perhaps Rugby League doesn't quite have that, and that could be a problem. But, but you could, you know... You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. Like, you could have a team in, in, that goes up to the top division, but, you know, financially they struggle and they might get dropped back to six. You know what I mean? It might Maybe the, 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 the sixth division or the last division might be open to teams that don't pay the players or something. or, or yeah, have a pure amateur. A pure amateur team in the sixth division or something. And, you know, it might grow up to have seven division and, and saying, well, okay, you guys are going to go back to that division. You're not going to play the players. But they might struggle to find players. Who knows? Because that's another issue. Players, players now know they can go to another um, team, club, and get paid a decent amount of money. Exactly, three hundred dollars a win, a thousand dollars a game, five hundred dollars a win, whatever the case may be, and that's a very handy second income, or in the case of some people, first income yeah. for six or five or four months of the year that they can live off and save for the rest of the year. Given how tough it is to make ends meet in Sydney, and players tell me that they're going to go. Well, I'm going to go there, and play there, get get six hundred dollars a win. You know, and that's or guaranteed three or four hundred dollars, or guaranteed two fifty a loss, yeah, or three hundred dollars a loss. What is the going rate these days? Just as an aside issue, what is the going rate? Because I know that some players have moved to Group Seven uh, to play for Picton or Mossvale or group, whoever. Yeah, group six, oh, sorry, Group Six, yeah, I yeah. should say, and the Illawarra competition where you have collegians offering a thousand dollars a win plus job plus accommodation for those. To move out of Sydney. But that's changed the Illawarra because now they've got that point system where yes. they haven't got a lot of their players because you look at the that started this year, you look at the clubs and you see not a lot of ex-Sydney players in there. 
and that's just to a lot of the clubs have you got the collegians and that and the, um, DAPTA that they've got the money but all the other clubs struggle and we'll probably have to look in the next five to ten years down there to see if that's really worked because yeah. the Earl War Comp has been very very strong it was one of the strongest country competitions Anyway, what is that? What is the going rate from what you can gather out there? Does it vary amongst yes, clubs? Of course, it varies, and a lot of clubs won't even tell you. But um, I think you know that that six hundred mark. Um, yep. You know, six hundred for a win. Yeah, the six seven hundred dollars a win, and that's that's a lot of money. And, and two hundred dollars for a loss. You know, you might be paying some players that you're not going to be paying everybody, but yep. you know, you quickly do the maths, and you've got to come up that with that money every week. It's like. Well, you know, a lot of, okay, you've got a lease club and you're getting a funding, fair enough, but what happens if you're a small club? You know, you've got a couple of small sponsors. Where, where, where's that money coming from? And that's the problem is, you know, when you win a grand final, you know, players win the grand final and then they, you know, they want they want more money and then that's it. Within a year or two, that club's either not playing A grade or they've just, you know, collapsed. Or they've just pulled back. Look, and, that, and to that point... Um, I still will never forget what Nike Aaron Zemmett told me when they were sensationally beaten in that preliminary final last year that winning the grand final and getting the prize money for that grand final would have made all the difference of Glebe Boo and Wolves putting a team of decent quality out in 2019 in the Ron Massey Cup. And it appears it's turned out that way. But that's, again, another episode. You mentioned before the break, wait for age. Let's go back to participation getting numbers back from the grassroots up, which we seem to think and is generally agreed upon as the one of the main solutions to try and filter players and grow from the grassroots to it, get players back into the A grade over a period of time, five, six, seven, ten years, or two, three, four, five years, whatever the case may be. Getting these kids away from other codes into rugby league because it's just as competitive at that level as it is at all other levels of society in Australia now. Uh, and one of the things you mentioned was wait for age. It's been a an elephant in the room. Some have not wanted to touch it. Some have tried to avoid it. Yep. But it appears to be, from what you're telling me, a clear solution that should be tried more than just uh, tinkered with in one or two divisions here and there. I think every, every um, district should have that option for their kid. And should it be compulsory and mandatory that one division yeah. in each age group or each district, one division in each weight group should be a weight for age? Well, it depends how many numbers you've got, of course. I mean, if, if you have to combine a couple of districts for that reason, fair enough. Um, you know, if you've got to combine St. George Cronulla, they have enough have enough numbers that, first of all, you've got to see, you know, how many of the kids want to play. You know, if you've got enough, then, then that's fair enough. If not, just combine it. But I think they should have that option because, some kids just want to play for a bit of fun. Yeah, know? that's all they want to do: run around with their mates and have a bit of have a bit of a laugh. You know, they don't want to, they don't take it too seriously, but they're playing rugby league. I mean, that that's, they've, they've been active. Yeah, that's the first thing, and that's what they're doing in the AFL. They're just kicking the ball around, and and they play soccer too because as a parent, it's a safer sport. You know, you're it, it is it's it's not as, it's not a full body contact sport. Um, soccer it can be sometimes, but <laughs> you know, just in general, sport. it isn't. And we just need to get the kids and. So you've got AFL, they're going to schools, they're really pushing mm. for it. We've got to get just more. I know the league says they're doing it, but we've got to get, we've just got to go in more. You know, my kids, are, you know, my girls are go, you know, in the primary school, they've already had, they've had one in the last couple of years, one uh, of the NRL coming there, 
Um, one NRL team, yes. Well, yeah, one NRL. One NRL player. Clinic. In, clinic, in, yeah. Clinic, and they've had about four, five AFL ones, and that's the difference. And the AFLs come in, they give them the bag, and with all the goodies in there, and bang, and they attract a few of the kids. The kids get excited. They're young, and, oh, yeah, they're going to jump on the bandwagon, and that's what happens, you know. It's the same when you're young and you're in rugby league and you're like, oh, yeah, I like this team, and they came to visit the school. I'm going to follow this team. That's, that's yeah. what happens, you know. I've got a girl, and they come in, they said, oh, we got this AFL thing. And they and they sort of looked at me, and they go, oh, well, we know, you're, you know, you're not an AFL fan, Dad, but, you know, but anyway, they're doing dancing now, so I'm happy with that. Well, that's, 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 <laughs> that's, another, that's another splinter look, story. That's, another, that, that's, an, that's almost an infected splinters episode. Uh, they I, need I, to I, go, I and, and, it's, and that's when I said the stars, where the stars go. That makes a big difference. When we haven't got a lot of stars to promote, you get one player that has one or two good games, and that's it. They put him up on the pedestal saying, look at this guy, you know, he's, you know, yep. he's the next Clive Churchill. But they're not. And then they then they no, we're very, we're, we're very quick to I'm, put players on pedestals. Look, that's a, that's another story. I know, but what I'm saying is we haven't got the stars. The players look up, in our, and even if they come to the schools and that, they go, wow, you know. Well, the point is that not enough players are coming to the schools. There aren't enough coaching clinics being sent. That anecdotal uh, story you've told me is one of a number. I'm talking nearly dozens of anecdotal stories where Rugby league clinics and rugby league first grade players are not seen off nobbies in nearly all of our schools, but AFL with their Auskick clinics are. And that comes back to a number of reasons, which we're not going to go into now because we are uh, uh, almost pressed for time. But think what, uh, one of those is clearly that rugby league image is one that's not encouraged by a number of sports masters and sports mistresses across schools where, generally speaking, a lot of the sports masters and sports mistresses are the teachers who voluntarily put their hand up or are the last to put their hand down when nominations are called for, and they take their own view of sport into the sports master or sports mistress position. And a lot of that view is anti-league for whatever the case but may be. But also they've grown up AFL, they've grown up other sports, and they don't really care for league where... You go back, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, you had rugby league, you know, people involved in schools. So we're just rugby league fanatics. And you and you you, you look at um, stories of players, how did you first start playing, you know? like At school. At school. And they said, oh, oh, yeah, the sports masters, you know, he said to come and try rugby league. He goes, I was from a soccer family. Come and try rugby league. And we, and we haven't got as many as that. It's not just uh, anti-rugby league. A lot of them just... Believe it or not, anti-sports. They just want them to do athletics and that. They don't even. They want, believe that yeah. athletic pursuits is just running around a yeah. park in endless circles rather than trying a skill-based sport. Look, that's another splinters episode well, uh, we're altogether. Thirty. That's and, thirty-four splinters episode. And that's oh, well. That's what we're here for. That's what the splinters series Ouch. is about. Yes, there's another one. Uh, I'll have to watch that uh, bench. Keith Topolsky left uh, the one with the uh, extra splinters aside just for you. All right, look. Um, we touched on trying to grow the game through the schools. Should it be compulsory for NRL players, first graders who have played X number of games to have it included in their contracts that they must do X number of school visits a year? Of course, because, you know... Because got, that's not the case right they've now. Got, they've got time. They do have time. They're full-time professionals. They've got time. What do they do? They go play... They're on the PlayStation, you know. They've got, they have got time. 
and they need to, to go out. And it's just this place going now. We just need more of the, the development officers going to having NRL clinics. Just more. The more market more saturation. Money, more money spent on development officers rather than other topping up mo- of, of layers of bureaucracy. We just need market saturation. You know, that's why Coca-Cola does it so well. They, they don't care. They, all they do is go market saturation. Everyone knows that it. it's in their faces. And that's why, how they do well on Okay, and that's what the AFL does well because they saturate markets in places like Sydney and Brisbane where they want to get a toehold, more than a toehold, in the sporting culture and, and, of, of and the if, city. If there's any negative stuff, they, 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 they know how to handle it as well. They, there's not as much you know bad press like the rugby league, but we just need to go in there face-to-face. They've got to get, you know, kids got to know about rugby league as well. Should uh, governments become involved as well? Should the NRL go to sports ministers and premiers and say, hey, listen, we want to make it uh, uh, compulsory that our number one code in this state uh, should be given uh, more of an opportunity than other codes in schools? Or is that a step too far? It is a step too far because then you've got well, soccer will come in, and then cricket will come in. AFL will come in. Don't forget union. I'm just thinking Every, out. There. I'm just thinking in. out there. Why? You know why? Just throwing it out there. You know why? Why is league? You know why are they getting the advantages? And then AFL, you might get someone that's in the government that's AFL fanatic, and then they might swap over to AFL. You just got to give everyone a go. So I think it's up to the NRL to, you know, do the hard yards yeah. and approach the schools uh, directly. Uh, should more money be spent on these school clinics rather than on topping up bureaucracy at a local level? I think the look, answer, look, look, the answer to of, that to me is self-explanatory. Look, there's a lot of people involved there. There's a lot of wages paid out there. I just think there's a, that can be... For what? You know, that's that's another splinter story. That's Indeed. number 36. Is it 37? We're up to 37 now. There's money that can be chopped there and saved and... Um, and put into this, you know, a development officer where, well, they're getting paid, what, 50000 60000 a year, mm-hmm. get more development officers out there. And pay them more than fifty or 60000 a year. If well, you, like If you pay peanuts, you get monkeys, don't you? Well, that's the job to go out there. You know, that's that's what, you know, they've... But if you pay more, if you pay more, you'll attract a greater quality of candidate and a greater quality of development. I know, but you've also got to be, you know, there to, to do the clinics as well. The more you have... Look, for example, there was one, uh, someone was telling me they put an application to be a development officer um, and they got about 300 applicants. Yeah. So there's people that want to apply for that. So we need to create more. Okay, we can't just pay too much because you're going to have less. But to start off with, you know, give them whatever, the, the, you know, the 60000 whatever it's going to be and get out there and saturate the market, get out to the schools, get out there and, 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 and get more kids aware of this. What about at club level, before we uh, wrap it up, uh, should we give more help to struggling junior league clubs? And perhaps one idea I had was to try and help the volunteers by having uh, paid direct administration officers because most of the administration officers, as you touched on, are all volunteers at junior league level and they're strapped for time. If they're paid a reasonable amount to do so out of that NRL pool, then perhaps you would have a greater chance of keeping people involved in the game uh, at that junior league level, at that club level, to help the volunteers out. It's, very it's, hard. Vexed, it's, it's a vexed issue. It but is because it's hard to get money involved. 
more problems start to happen too. Possibly, well. but um, you've got to break the circuit somehow. You know, I think the NRL. I think that's one way that can help is paying the insurance, paying the register, you know, the gear, paying that. Yeah, they can just go. I think that's it because at least the club pays for it or the NRL pays for it. And that's it. No money can go in someone's pocket. Um, and no money comes out of the parents' pocket that's to pay right. for insurance right. or shorts or socks if it's all paid for by the league, as is the case with Souths. That's right. And, and that way, okay, and it makes a difference. When you're paying two, three, four hundred $400 registration fees for the big difference and say, okay, you know, we can, you know, we can do this, plus they get – you know, they, you know, they've got $100 or $200, they get the voucher from the New South Wales government to be involved in there and they can use that for some boots or something. So, All right, last thing before I let you go, before we wrap this up, I'm going to ask you the same sort of question that I asked Steve Woodley and I asked Andy Patterson. Do you see the Souths and Penrith A-grades surviving into the future? Do you see any revival of any other standalone A-grade competitions going forward into the future. Andy Patterson is the, is the firm belief that if Barrera come back, the Manly North competition will miraculously come back in 2020 and beyond. Steve Woodley doesn't think so. Where does Terry Liberopoulos see the A-grade junior rugby league landscape in well, it might not be two five or twenty. It can be twenty. I just I don't think it's going to be like it used to be. Just the way, especially here in Sydney, just the, as we touched on before, just the landscape, the kind of people that have come in that are not rugby league people. It's just not going to get. It's not going to fix. It's not going to improve. I just think that I don't know how long Souths are going to survive. And the same with Penrith. I just think there's going to be a different kind of solution. It's just not going to. Personally, I don't think it will survive that way. I think we. We'd have to go into that kind of subbies kind of set up. I still think juniors fine. I think there's enough for the moment uh, for the youngsters to play or with or join up with the neighbouring district, not to go from South Sydney to Penrith and play under tens. Uh, South, you know, where with South Sydney you can play with with the Dragons or you know even Cronulla. It's not that far. You know what I mean. Uh, yeah, with the youngsters, yeah. we could go on for another two, three, four hours on this and. Uh, detail more problems and try and come up with more solutions. But we have run out of time. Terry, it's been an absolute pleasure once again. And you can buy a copy of Rugby League Review and all good news agencies and a few bad Greek ones as well right mm. across Sydney. And you can subscribe to Rugby League Review. Just go to the website, www.r. It's rugbyleaguereview.com. That's probably the easiest way to do it. Just subscribe to the website, yep. rugbyleaguereview.com. We'll catch up again, Terry. We've got another episode of the International Game to look forward to in coming weeks. Thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. For now, that is all. My name is Tony Dawson, the Sultan. We look forward to catching you next week on Splinters. Until then, it's goodbye. <laughs>